welcome to Ask Abby, a podcast where I help women who have a tough decision to make to connect to the inner wisdom of their body, find their own answers, and move forward. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ask Abby. We have a very special guest here today. We have Mariah Rose here with me. Hi, Mariah. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm great. So Mariah is here to answer all of our period hormone cycle questions. I'm super excited. Um, A little different topic from what we normally talk about today, but it's something that I've been working on. I'm working to come off of hormonal birth control. So I've been really interested in it. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you've seen me posting about it. And um, yeah, a lot of you seem really interested and had questions. So I was like, well, let's bring in an expert to answer our questions and help us know more about kind of like tuning into this cycle and leaning into it. And I don't know all the things I'm excited for you to, to tell us all that, you know, yeah, I lo- this is my favorite thing to talk about. So <laughs> I'm happy to well, be perfect. <laughs> perfect. How did you get into this work? Oh, that's a great freaking question. I got into this work through my own experience because I had really horrendous for me. It, it my menstrual symptoms manifested in PMS, like horrendous PMS probably could have been diagnosed with PMDD if I had looked for that diagnosis, but I was having, I was struggling like 10 days to two weeks before my period started every month. And so essentially I was having like one symptom free week a month, if that, and one of the symptoms that can be something associated with PMS and PMDD was I started having heart palpitations like multiple times a minute for three months. And I went to doctors and had like all the blood work done and, and, and an EKG. And I cried at the doc, like the doctor's office because it was like so stressful. I wasn't sleeping well because it would like, I was working a lot of that time. So, you know, I'd like go about my day and when it would really impact my mental health was when I laid down to go to sleep at night. Cause I could feel, it felt like my heart would like skip a beat and then beat really hard and it would happen constantly. And so I could feel it in my chest. So yeah, I went to the doctor and multiple doctors. The last one finally, like, didn't just say like, you have an anxiety problem. Um, I cried. They did a bunch of tests, got a call a couple of days later that all the tests were completely normal. There was nothing wrong with me. And then that doctor also recommended that I go on a daily anxiety medication. But I just knew, (laughs) I just knew that that was not what was going on. And I really didn't feel like the yeah, taking a pill for the rest of my life didn't resonate with me. And so I didn't want to have to do that. Plus I just intuitively was like, that's not what's going on. And so around that time, I've always been interested in holistic health. And at that time I was working in, um, urban agriculture in Philly where I'm from and, um, teaching people about like eating healthy and like vegetables essentially, which is like another thing I love to talk about (laughs) vegetables specifically. And, um, (laughs) and so I, like, I always like leaned towards a more holistic approach anyway. So I went and saw a functional medicine doctor, like a holistic doctor, a more holistic doctor. They did like a whole other slew of tests and found a bunch of like vitamin and mineral deficiencies, a couple common ones actually. And just listen to me like that, that appointment was like an hour and a half long. Whereas the one where I cried and they did an EKG was like 
15 minutes, you know, seconds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they like asked me about my life and, and did, yeah, just did like, yeah. Listen to me. Like I had never had that experience before because yeah, like I was always interested in holistic health. So I, I actually like happened to at that time, I think partially because I was just trying to, to like figure out what was going on with me, learned about menstrual health, just generally of like, okay, track your cycle and see what symptoms come up at what time. And that's when I realized that my symptoms were happening at the same time in my cycle every month. Oh yeah. And that my symptoms were related to like, it was like, oh, I'm having like really long extended, like premenstrual symptoms. And I was also having like really heavy periods and really bad cramps. So I like with kind of the help of this doctor, though, though I won't fully give them credit because they didn't like, they didn't say anything about my cycle. It was more just like, I don't know, having a positive experience with a health practitioner and then also like doing my own. Led you to, yeah. Yeah. So I just started learning everything that I could and I followed the things that I was being told in the books that I was reading and my symptoms started to go away. The heart palpitations went away. They've never come back. Um, I will say like 2020 did a number on my, I mean, it never went back to as bad as it was, but some symptoms that had gone away came back. But again, not, and now I have the tools. Like I know. Just because of the stress you think from 2020? Yeah. And like staying inside and not exercising, not getting enough sunshine, like not being around my community and like my family and like all of these, you know, our, our cycle is really a reflection of our general health. And so mm. I also like made a big move in my life. Um, yeah. My husband and I moved really up to Vermont where I'm now. So like that whole process was, I mean, uh, mostly amazing, but also like, it's hard when you leave everything you've ever known. <laughs> so So yeah, some of my symptoms like pop back up, but yeah, it was really by way of my own experience because also like once I started learning about it and then seeking out like training and, and, um, like I'm a, I'm a certified holistic health coach. And then also this year we'll be getting a further certification in the fertility awareness method. Mm. And yeah. So once I started realizing like that, there's just this huge gap in our knowledge and in our healthcare, when it comes to our menstrual cycles, I was like, okay, I need to bill it. Like, I, I just, I literally need to, to share this message. Like, I don't want people to go through what I did where I literally thought I was like, I thought I was crazy for a long time. Like I thought it was a mental health issue that like was going to be unresolved. And I think that's really common, like because of the way that our symptoms show up and like, especially PMS, and it's something that like some studies show like upwards of like 80% of women and people who bleed experience that it is very commonly misdiagnosed as something else. And then, you know, we get put on medication for that mental health issue, but the hormonal issue is never resolved. And so we just, you know, oftentimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Women's issues in general tend to get very yeah. swept under the rug. Like, Oh, well that's just some sort of lady issue. <laughs> yeah. It's normal to be being, having a uterus means being in pain. That's just, I mean, that is, it's like, and like women are crazy. So if you're having like emotional symptoms, it's just cause you're crazy. I think we all, a lot of times get brushed off. It's just as anxiety or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, hello, if I was a dude, would you be saying the same thing? Yeah. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, not surprising. I think most coaches get into their thing because of their own life experiences. So I figured that's what you were going to say, but that's cool. 
Yeah. Um, and awesome that you've kind of landed and I'm glad that you're out now speaking about it because which I said to you before we hit record, like I've learned more about my body, my cycle and the birth control pill on TikTok than I ever have in 30 years at my doctor's office. Yeah. So it's good that people like you are speaking up about it. And when I first started seeing content, like in reels and stuff, I would be like, wow, this, I was like, wow, everybody's really anti-birth control on here. What's the deal with that? And then I started looking at it more and following a few accounts. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I should be anti-birth control. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I feel that. And it's hard because we're all taught that like birth control is like the magic pill. And so when you start hearing people speaking against it, it's like, wait, but this is like the best thing that ever happened to women. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. And I I also like, you know, I was on the pill when I was a teenager and also in my early twenties. And I, I'm like, okay, it was the easiest thing ever. Like my mom took me to the doctor. Yeah. Met with someone for 15 minutes was on the pill at 15. And so it's like, if I, at 15, if a doctor sat me down and was like, so these are the potential risks of the birth control pill. Like emotionally, these are the risks physically. These are the risks. These are all the reasons other than just like fertility of why it's important to have a menstrual cycle. And, and if a doctor sat, and then these are all the benefits, right? If someone, if a doctor sat me down and was like, these are the risks, these are the benefits. These are the things that might go wrong. These are the things that might go right then I could have made a decision and maybe as a 15 year old, that's a stretch, but certainly as a 21 year old, which is the other time I went on it. And I said, and then my mom, when I was 15, like, I think that if that had happened, then maybe my mom wouldn't have agreed to be, to put me on it. And so for me, it's like, if we were educated about the risks, then also it can be like, okay, so if you choose like some of the stuff you shared with me where it's like, okay, so I'm choosing to go on the pill, but I know that if like, I start having skin rashes or if I start, like if I'm noticing that my gut health is really impacted um, or if like emotionally, like my, I'm like not as able to cope with stressful events or like I'm feeling depressed. I know that it's potentially because of the pill, then you can go off of it or try something else. You know what I mean? So if, if doctors got us down and we're like, these are the things to look out for, if you are going to go on it or also potentially the reasons to not go on it, then I would be like, okay, Yes, I'm pretty anti the pill because of all the risks and the things that like so many people, including myself, that I have witnessed experience, but also like, I believe in informed decisions. None of us are making informed decisions about the pill because we're we're so young. We get on most of the time. I mean, I think I was like 14 or 15 when I got on it. No one ever told me this side effects. Again, it might not have changed my 15 year old opinion of getting on it at that point, but at least I would have known. Like I was just saying this to Mariah before we hit record too, is like, I've had all these symptoms for like eight years. I've been chasing these symptoms. It was first, it was adrenal fatigue. Then it was hypoglycemia and then it was rashes and psoriasis. And it's like, if anyone had get, I might've thought, oh, maybe it's this birth control. <laughs> but like, I yeah, never even considered that as an option. I never even, right. until I like came across some stuff online, I never had thought about that as an option. And in yeah. high school, when I took it the first round, I had mental, it brought on like mental health issues. And I knew that it was, it was like, it was exactly the time that I started taking it. I started having all these like thoughts that were just not, not typical for me, I guess we'll say. And uh, I went to the doctor, told them I wanted a different pill. And they told me it was impossible that there's no way that the pill could have been causing it. And and now it's literally proven that it, it can cause that. And um, the pill that I was on is no longer on the market. 
because it caused such bad symptoms. Yeah, I never even looked. I have no yeah. idea, honestly. So I know so I was yeah. I was on them for years and years, and then I came off, and then I went on again. And I'm like, now I'm learning about it, and I'm like, how in 15 years, probably total of me using the pill, has none of this ever gotten brought to my attention or came yeah. up to us? Yeah. So do you want to tell people a little bit about? Um, cause for people who've listening, who haven't done all the research, um, a little bit about like common things that the pill can kind of cause or lead to. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean the two that I have seen them, like just in terms of honestly, like talking to my friends as teenagers, like I think all the way back then in my own experience. And then also now in my work is gut health disturbances and mm-hmm. emotional, um, which is so tied to gut health disturbances. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So when it comes to the emotional stuff, like one of the reasons why women and anyone with a menstrual cycle, however they identify are like tagged as like insane is because our hormonal rhythm is complicated. And it's like very, if you ever looked at a chart of the like female hormonal system, it's very up and down and all over the place. Like we are not constant. I mean, we are when it comes to our 28 ish day cycle, but if you look at women from day to day, they they're different. We're different every day. And that's supposed to be how we are. Um, and so we're labeled as crazy when really we're just like, we experience a very full range of emotions and we're not the same every day. We are very, we fluctuate and it's, that's how we were made to be. And so what what happens when we take the pill is that we shut down that communication system between our brain and our ovaries that causes that fluctuation of hormones. So the message is, is like the two messages I hear about the pill and the one most frequently is like that it solves period problems or treats period problems and that it like tricks your body into thinking that you're pregnant. It, it's not doing either of those things. It literally eradicates your hormonal system. It, it cuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. So you're, you don't have those hormonal rhythms. It's literally like flat. And so it's crazy. Yeah. And so when you think about that, when you look at the, like the chart of, of like the pill hormones is literally like you have a little bit of an increase it's flat. And then a little bit of a decrease and that increase and decrease is like when you take the sugar pills or whether or not you take them, but that your period week, which is not actually like a true biological period. It's just, um, a withdrawal bleed because you're not taking those hormones. And so if you were to look at those charts next to each other of like the female hormonal rhythm next to the synthetic hormonal rhythm that the pill creates in your body, you, you kind of can like almost understand why the pill makes people feel like numb and depressed. And also like, I, I, and I had this experience too. You just like, don't feel like yourself. And it's because yeah, like your, your rhythms are meant to be like up and down. That's how our bodies are designed. And when you shut that down, it has an impact on how you feel. So, and I think that that is really the biggest, like there is the physical stuff and um, look like the basics of that is that like that complex hormonal rhythm that we go through every month, like it's not just for pregnancy. It's, it's, it impacts your bone health. It impacts your skin health. It impacts your gut health. It impacts your heart health. It impacts your brain health. Like it's how your body is meant to function. And so when you shut that down, it messes with your body. Like your body, your body does not function optimally. And so 
that's where like all of these symptoms arise. And I think what's so tricky for about it and for at least my experience is like when I got put on the second round of the pill, at least in adulthood, it, it seemed to make everything better. Like there were no, it took years for the symptoms to actually kick in like the psoriasis and all the things that I'm complaining about now. So I never made a connection to the pill because for me, it eased a lot of the symptoms that I was having. So like, I thought it was this great thing. I remember saying to friends, like, well, I love the birth control pill. It's my absolute favorite. Like I'm obsessed with it. Um, and just now like reading on TikTok and stuff, I'm kind of like, actually, this is kind of messed up and going against, (laughs) like, I don't think I want to stay on this train. Yeah. hard because I didn't know that it was causing problems. Yes. I think that that is where the informed consent comes in because for some folks, it is going to be more ideal to have your symptoms go away, no matter what the implications of that are. And I think also to then have an eye on what other symptoms might arise later on or for some people immediately. Yeah. So it's like, I want people to have that choice. I want people to be able to choose. I'm not against people having that choice. It's just that often, like it can also, and we were talking about this before we hit record as well. Like, so yeah, it's, it's marketed as this like treatment for, for period problems. But oftentimes when you go off of it, those, those issues come back with a vengeance. Yeah. It's like a bandaid. Yeah, exactly. It's like putting a bandaid on a broken bone, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't, it's not doing anything. Um, and a lot of the time, and one of the things that like frustrates me about it is that a lot of the time when people go off birth control, it's because they're trying to get pregnant, but then they go off birth control and all of these symptoms are coming back, which are, you know, your menstrual health is related to your fertility. So then it's like, folks are struggling to get pregnant as well, because they were told that like, they can just go off. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, And especially, so it's like, okay, you're put on the pill for your menstrual health issues. And then they're, yeah, you go off the pill, they come back, you can't get pregnant. It's like, it's such a vicious cycle. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not a fan of the pill. (laughs) Like that's become obvious. And I like, the more I learn about it and the more I speak openly about it, the more I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not the solution, especially for, for period probs. Yeah. Like, especially for non-contraceptive reasons. Um, because obviously like the pill has brought about, like it's helped women to progress in a lot of ways, having access to birth control, but not at the expense of like our health. And I do feel like it's a little under, well, no, cause there's tons of research. That's what I'm finding out is there's tons of research of that. It causes all these problems. It just seems like no one really cares (laughs) that. Yeah. And like, you're saying like, no one's telling us, right. Which is where the big problem is. Well, and it's like the doctors don't even know because that's what they're not being told either. You know, not, no one is. And, um, other than like the, the doctors who are like really the spearhead, this, the people spearheading the movement towards like natural birth control, because I do want to say like, cause people, the question I always get when I'm like, birth control is not, <laughs> is not going to help your period problems. And also like, that's the other thing is like, it's kind of ironic that the thing that we are taking in order to like prevent pregnancy that actually like can lead to infertility. Yeah. Horrible. And so the fertility awareness method is like the, the move. And, and the thing that I really like about the fertility awareness method is it teaches you to read the signs of your body. Yeah. So it essentially like what, cause yeah, another issue with the pill is that it, it's, it perpetuates something that is very common in our culture, which is like, 
oh, you don't need to know anything about your body. You don't need to know how it works. And especially with our menstrual cycles, it's like, it's not important. Like we're, we're taught that it's not important. Yeah, totally. Extremely important. And what the fertility awareness method does is it's a very, very like effective method of birth control. And it requires us to learn about our bodies and it requires us to pay attention to our bodies. And so I love it for that reason. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But it it does. It's also, I think it, it intimidates a lot of people because, because we're never taught about how our body works. So now it's like, okay, learn about how your body works. And you have to like rely on your knowledge in order to not get pregnant. And people are like, yeah, (laughs) I know. Like when I was younger, um, my ex-husband's family was super, super, super strict Catholic. And they all did that. And, um, I was kind of like, Oh God, I'm not in any position to be like tracking and managing. And like, yeah. just as a point in my life, I knew I could not take it on. And now like, that's what I'll probably do when I get off the pill. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's just, it is, it's, it's, a, it's like a commitment. And so many people too, aren't in touch with their bodies, which is the work right. that I'm doing. And right. so to now be like, okay, now you have to be in touch with your body. And also if you mess up baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What's funny is actually previously to me getting on the pill, when I was, had my short window of not being on it, I could feel ovulation. I could feel when it would happen. Yeah. Um, and people would always be like, what? No, you can't. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I can. I can can definitely feel it. It would be like, it was right around the same time every month. And I'll be interested to see if that comes back once I get off the pill. Yeah. I think it will. Yeah. I tend to be pretty in touch with my body. So, um, at that point less, so even more so now. So I'll be curious to see what happens when it comes back. Um, yeah. cause yeah, it, I doubt I used to be able to feel it. It was like a stab. It was very, it was yeah. Sort of pain. Yeah. I mean, like it's your egg is like popping out of your ovaries. So <laughs> you're in touch yeah. with your body. It's, yeah. Yeah. No. So, um, I would love to talk about how just kind of like the male hormonal rhythm versus the female hormonal rhythm. Yeah, definitely. Cause I don't know anything about that. So fill us in. Yeah. And also I'm interested too, when you said that earlier and you corrected yourself, that was one of the reasons I felt most connected to you was I, um, had fo- followed some other accounts that were very like girls, women, blah, blah, blah. And I liked how yeah. you kept it kind of like a gender neutral. Yeah. So, I mean, my, I, I am a <laughs> cisgendered woman and so yeah. that's my experience. So I do share from that perspective. And I do talk about that perspective because that's what I know. <laughs> yeah. And I also include inclusive language because not, not everyone who has a menstrual cycle identifies as a woman and not everyone, not all women have a menstrual cycle. Not all people who identify as women have a menstrual cycle. I also say that because like, I often use the term like folks in their menstruating years because women also like you bleed for a certain part of your lifetime. And if you've gone to menopause or even if you're on the pill, you're not technically menstruating. You're not technically, you know, so it's like, you know, if you folks with a menstrual cycle is, is generally the term I like to use because yeah, it covers like, and even that, like it's inclusive to folks identity and it's inclusive for folks who like are women and don't are not in their menstruating years or on the pill. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it was very noticeable. Like I, I, like I said, like when I was like, kind of, I have a few different accounts I follow and it was very noticeable that you were using inclusive language. And I always like that. I try, I not great always, but I try yeah. my best to also yeah. do that. Um, and I, it was very noticeable. And I was like, Oh, I like this. Yeah. Um, and actually that's great. Brings up a good point. Cause I was just talking to a friend recently who's like no longer menstruating already went through menopause and 
um, I was interested in it. Like, is there anything that those folks can do for their hormones? And do you know what I mean? Like, does it matter at that point? Is there, I'm sure there's still ways that they can be supportive of their yeah. hormone. Um, so basically like your experience of your cycle throughout your menstruating years is a very good indicator of what menopause is going to be like for you. Um, and menopause is perimenopause and menopause. So perimenopause is like when you, the years when you are approaching menopause and it's when you're, you start to have cycle changes. So your cycle will usually be less frequent. And it's kind of the process by which like your body is winding down its fertile years. And then menopause is like technically after you're officially through menopause when you haven't had a menstrual period for an entire year. Mm, That's like the, the, at least like medical indicator of when you're through menopause. And that experience is like, so not talked about in our society. There's a lot of shame about it, especially because, you know, like women are supposed to be like youthful and glowing and fertile and like sexual, like (laughs) women are so sexualized in our culture that it's like, once you are no, once you've passed through into like your post menstrual years, um, and just in general, the way that our society like views aging is yeah, not super in support of, of the aging process. And so, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of shame around it and it's, it's the same as the, as menstruating in general, there's a lot of shame around it. It's not talked about that much. Like we're told that our like our health issues that are related to our menstrual cycle are normal when they're not, or are like mm-hmm. nothing to be worried about when they are something to be paying attention to. And then, so oftentimes what happens is like folks, their, their menstrual issues are not addressed. They're told that they're normal. They're put on the pill or, or like, yeah, literally just like ignore their symptoms or take ibuprofen for their, for 40 years while they're menstruating and then move into menopause. And like, there's not like, there's hormone replacement therapy and there's all of these other things too, that, that like the medical industry kind of uses to treat menopause, but truly like you're, if you're having really symptomatic cycles throughout your life, the chances of you having like a very difficult time through menopause are high. Cause it's the same thing. It's the same, it's the same system. And so yeah. that's one of the things too, that I'm like, you know, if you need a reason to support your menstrual health, like, let it be that you're like looking out for your future self, you know, mm-hmm. like, let it be, I mean, take care of your current self is like also yeah (laughs) all the cells all versions of the self all versions of yourself and so that's one thing but the other thing too is is that like there's some folks who talk about menopause specifically there's a I think they're it's their um Instagram tag I don't know their exact tag but it's the it's red school and it's two women who are menopausal I think both menopausal possibly perimenopausal but they like the way they speak about menopause is like so joyful and like fun they're like it's like a second puberty where you because like essentially what's happening for most people at that time is that you're no longer raising children like you're you're usually winding down your career as well so it's kind of this amazing time when you're like you all you have to worry about is yourself and it's it's I think it's really hard for people who also have never have never like prioritize themselves and have never like taken time to slow down and rest as well that like yeah it's this beautiful moment in your life where like you get to prioritize you and you get to like 
the archetype associated with perimenopause is the, the wild woman or the enchantress because it's you you are like you're free basically and and then the archetype the feminine archetype that's associated with menopause is the sage or like the wise woman and so if you think like when we think about it in terms of those archetypes it's like I'm like I can't wait until that time in my life you know like I want to set and the same way like you know I don't have any children but if I were to have a daughter like I would celebrate their first period and mm-hmm. I want to at this in the same way like I want to celebrate the end of my fertile years and the other thing is that menopause is a so you can kind of like look at the the menstru- like the monthly menstrual cycle and zoom out into our lifetime so like the week after your period is associated with your childhood and the the years like before your fertile years so before menarche before you get your first period and then ovulation is associated with your fertile years and it's like the the archetype for that phase of the cycle is mother the mother and the Mm. archetype for the the like your follicular phase which is the phase right after your period is associated with the maiden or like the child. And then perimenopause is associated with your premenstrual week or your the luteal phase of your cycle. And then menopause is associated with menstruation. So the other thing is like menstruation has such a taboo around it in our culture and so much shame and secrecy associated with it that then when you zoom out to, men- to, to menopause, you're like, oh, there's also this like mystery and, and shame and secrecy around it the same way that there is menstruation. Um, so I think, and like, for me, so much of this work is just like embracing our bodies and embracing that life cycle. And like so much of the healing is in that it's about knowing how your body works and how to care for yourself at different phases of your cycle, because yeah, we're never, we're never taught. And we're really more like taught to be ashamed of our bodies in general. And so when it comes to menopause too, and menstruation, it is, it's like trying to deprogram the shame around it, which is hard. It takes time. And the way that we speak to ourselves and our minds, like, and, and one of the ways that we can start like now preparing for menopause, which for me is like 20 years away is, our how we think like our inner dialogue around menstruation and how how we treat ourselves while we're bleeding and how our inner like literal the literal like thoughts that that our inner voice that is speaking while we're on our period it's holistic you know like it's not just about like oh what supplements can I take and what food should I eat and what medications will support me um it's well like a lot of those things are really important and and will help I would say like just as important is just our attitude and our thought patterns. And our inner di- exactly. It's just, yeah. I know it's so interesting. And when I think about like, I really haven't had a cycle. So someone asked me recently, they were like, Oh, have you ever tracked like your cycle and like how your business like flow, which we'll definitely get yeah. into today. And I was like, well, nothing about my cycle is like real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm not sure that that would make any sense. Yes. Okay. Uh, Wait, this is the other thing I wanted to say about menopause and also for, for folks who are on the pill, um, you can borrow the lunar cycle because the lunar cycle is, it's like 29 and a half days long. It pretty much 
perfectly mirrors a healthy menstrual cycle where so like a lot of traditional cultures had fertility rituals on the full moon and that's because like most folks were ovulating and Mm -hmm. when you think about the red tent if you've ever heard of that yeah those kind of gatherings often happen on the new moon and that's because most folks were menstruating and Mm -hmm. so there's evidence to suggest though Modern scientific research will say there is no scientific evidence to that supports this. My experience of my own body, of the people around me, and of doing like non-menstrual research on like ancient cultures is that the moon, the lunar cycle and the menstrual cycle are related. The other thing that like when I post about this, I get a lot of comments that are like, it drives me crazy that people equate these things. There's just two cycles that happen to be kind of similar in nature. Like there's nothing, they have nothing to do with each other. And I'm like, yeah, nature has nothing to do with each other. Thank you. I'm like, for one, we are nature. And two, like if it's a duck, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, but the lunar cycle happens to be the same length as a healthy menstrual cycle. Like that's just, you know, have you heard this research that there's something to do with the amount of light we intake? Yes. So there is, again, evidence to suggest is the way I will say this. There's yeah. evidence to suggest that. So one of the things that regulates our hormones is light. And okay. Our eyeballs are designed to take in natural light. Obviously, like we're part of nature. Like our eyeballs aren't designed to take in the light from our screens or like the lights that we turn on at night in our homes. And so before the days of artificial light, the only light that was being filtered through our eyeballs was the sunlight and the moonlight. And it also meant that everyone was like on the same schedule. You know, you like went to sleep when it was dark and you woke up and did your thing when it was light. And because I don't know if you've ever like been outside in a place where there's no artificial light during the full moon, it is bright. It's super bright. And so when we think about the fact that like light regulates our hormones and the moonlight is fluctuating in a way that mirrors our menstrual cycles, that then it would make sense that like we're ovulating on the full moon, menstruating on the new moon, and that people are on the same schedule. Like to me, it logically makes sense too. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how anybody could try to be like, those things aren't the same. Like, yeah, I actually, I get my period on the full moon. That's also, so, and like, I also, when I talk about this, always get comments. Period. Right. (laughs) I always get comments that are like, oh, well, how do I make it align? How, like my period doesn't align with the moon. How do I make a line? There are things that you can do, but mostly I'm like, well, we don't, I mean, actually I live like in the middle of the woods where there's no, there are no streetlights or artificial light other than in my home, but mostly people don't live that way. And so I really don't want people to hear this as another thing that they think their body is doing wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? So totally today, yeah. in today's society, like you're the chances of you being exposed to artificial light when after dark, especially in the wintertime, but you know, at all are very high. And so it's like, it's yeah. not your fault. Like we live, you know what I mean? Yeah. We live in a, There's like nothing you need to do. Yeah, exactly. And if you're, I have found that since I moved from a major city to a house in the middle of the woods with no street lights or anything. Like we're like a mile into the woods in our, yeah. our own dirt roads. So there's like literally no, no artificial light. My yeah. cycle has aligned with the moon cycle. Mm. So, so yeah. What was interesting was everything I read. So I started doing tracking my cycle using your little tracker. And 
I read something, you know, obviously the thing that came with it and then the beyond the pill book and everything said, if you're on birth control to align your cycle with the new moon. But since I bleed right now on the full moon, I just stayed with that. And yeah. figured, is that cool? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's more, it's more to me, it's more about the concept rather than actually aligning your cycle with the moon. And what I mean by that is like the moon in the, during the new moon is at its darkest and like the earth is at its darkest. And then at the full moon, it's at its most fertile, like it's most bright. And so it's more like, for me, it's more about, it's like a way to explain the menstrual cycles. And it's like, also like, think of yourself in that way where it's like, you're, you're most bright during ovulation. And then you're, you're most dim during your, your period. Um, Oh yeah. That makes sense. Do you want to talk a little bit about the male versus female hormone cycle? You want to dive into that? Let's dive into that. Yeah. So the male hormonal cycle is 24 hours long and it's the same every day. You know, there's some fluctuation obviously because of the world we live in and also like seasonally. Right. But the male hormonal system functions the same daily. And I guess what I mean by that is that like, it doesn't mean that male bodied people feel the same every single day, but their hormonal system is doing the same thing. So what that system looks like is that, and it's the main hormone is testosterone. So what that system looks like is their testosterone is high in the morning and high testosterone makes them, it's, it's good for like, or it makes them feel like exercising, which, you know, exercising in the morning. Um, also they're like most likely to feel like they want to have sex, hence like morning wood. <laughs> checks <Yeah>. out. <laughs> yep. Checks out. And yeah, so it's like a more high energy time and then it stays high and peaks like around 11. And I wonder if this is why guys that I date always wake up earlier and are like ready to go and excited in the morning. And I'm like, relevant, relevant for sure. (laughs) Um, and so then it starts to dip in the later afternoon and, um, that's a time where like they would feel more social. And so that social time, you know, if you think about like, like meetings or, um, also happy hour is, is something that I think about associating with the afternoon and then testosterone dips before bedtime, you know, in the evening time. And that is like, because the testosterone is at its lowest point, that means that estrogen impacts them a little bit more. And so they have that like cozy, snuggly feeling of like nesting and like, Mm. you know, being home. If you think about that, and if, if you were to like re-listen to that after I say what I'm about to say, you'd be like, whoa, it pretty much perfectly mirrors a work day and especially like a traditional nine to five work day where the energy is high in the morning. It kind of like peters out in the afternoon. Um, and then in the evening is low. Our like entire culture is pretty much based off of that rhythm where you're high energy and earlier in the day, then your energy starts to decrease and then you go to sleep do the same thing. Exercising in the morning is the norm. Socializing in the evening is the norm. That is the rhythm of our culture. And I think most folks don't know that, that it like pretty much perfectly mirrors the male hormonal rhythm. I didn't know that. Because the female hormonal rhythm is not the same every day. It's a 28-ish day, right? Like a healthy menstrual cycle is anywhere from 21 to 20 to 21 to 35 days long. So I'm going to say I'm going to say like, I'm going to say 28 days. Most people don't have 28 day cycles. That is an average number. So if your cycle is not 28 days, don't worry about it. If you're within that window, 
unless you're having other symptoms, then it's, it, it's like about what's normal for you. Where you start getting into trouble is if you're outside that window or you're having a lot of fluctuation in your cycle length. I'm just going to say that disclaimer, but our cycle is, you know, 28 ish days long. Right. So it's not the same every day. We're different every day throughout our cycle. That makes us seem like we're inconsistent. We're actually very consistent with within that 28 day time period. We're just not the same every single day, the way that male hormonal cycles and male bodied folks are. When we try to fit into that template of like doing the same things every day, exercising at the same time every day, eating the same foods every day, even like our social schedules being similar every day, our bodies aren't designed, like our biology doesn't align with that. And I would say like inevitably a hundred percent of the time doesn't, it eventually leads to burnout. And that might be very quickly, like my experience of working nine to five, it didn't last very long. And I burnt out really quickly. I think for some people, they either trudge through it for literally 30 years or it happens like much later on in their career, or it's like not a career ending burnout. Like it really, everyone's body is different. So it really depends on like how resilient your body is. And, um, but it's like fitting our bodies into this daily repeating habitual life that culture that we're in doesn't, it, we're, we're never going to be thriving at our fullest potential in that way is my opinion. And so mm. of course there are people who are who seem like, you know, they're thriving and it's working for them. But in my opinion, like they would be like, who knows what it would, what their potential would be if they were living in alignment with their cycle. And so, you know, when we hear the phrase, like we live in a man's world, like we do, we live in a male world. Like our entire culture is structured around the male hormonal cycle. And I think that part of the reason for this is because there what like historically there was a time when, when, men were working and women were at home. And so I think the foundation of that is, you know, I'm not saying there's some sinister, like anti-female yeah. going on. It's like, just happens to have developed this way. And the other thing that I find interesting about this is like the feminist movement tends to have the message of like that women and female body folks can do anything that men can do and that male body folks can do. And like, I would never say I'm against that. like that messaging I of course believe that but I think that like the approach is there there there's a missed opportunity when what has kind of happened because of that is that we have like those of us with a menstrual cycle are trying to fit our biology into a box that it doesn't fit in and so to me I'm like yes anyone with a menstrual cycle can do anything that folks without a menstrual cycle can do. And in order for that to happen optimally, we need to be rethinking how we approach our work and how we approach how we care for ourselves because our biology doesn't align with, with that, that way. Um, and I think, you know, whenever I talk about this, I get, I get the response of like, what so we're all supposed to just like quit our jobs and like you know start our own businesses or not work or be stay-at-home moms and I'm like absolutely no and the idea is not to like you don't have to change anything about your life other than how you approach yourself mm-hmm. and so there I mean it's kind of twofold in my opinion like the first step is you learn how your body works and you learn how your energy fluctuates and there are again like templates or like there is like a framework like the cyclical framework you can learn about like the things that will likely feel good at different parts in your cycle, in the end, you're the expert on your body. So 
there, I love that as a starting point, but it's also just about connecting with yourself. And so Mm. the first step is that, because I think, you know, it's not about never working while you're on your period. It's about the way that, like I said earlier, it's about the way that you speak to yourself while you're Mm. working when you're on your period. It's about like that your expectations of yourself change during that time. And so instead of being like in your mind, which like I've been here and I feel like, I feel like we've all been here where you're like, and I'm actually, I said on your period, but I think like a better example is while you're premenstrual, both of those times for me, premenstrual, just because that's when my inner critic tends to be like very rude. And so, you know, so I'm very unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah. Like unnecessarily brutal. And so like, okay. So if I'm, and especially when I was like, still now that I'm working for myself, but especially when I was working in a traditional nine to five job, like if I just have like a bad week where I'm like, why is my energy like, so like, I literally like, can't even force myself to like be productive this week. Or like I have an altercation with a coworker because my patience is zero or I can't help but speak my truth. And instead of like, I think, I mean, I had those experiences and then I'd turn around and be like, what is wrong with me? Or I would turn around and like beat myself up so bad for like, like not being like, for speaking my truth to a coworker when otherwise I would have just like shut my mouth and moved on. And once you start to pay attention to your cycle and when you start to live in a more cyclical way, when those kinds of things happen, instead of the internal dialogue being like, what is wrong with me? I shouldn't have done that. Like I, you know, being yourself up about it, you're like, oh, it's day 24. Day 24 is a sensitive day for me. And that I say day 24 because that's the truth. That's your day. That's my day. It's my tender day. And so, and so like, instead of beating myself up about it, the first step is just to have the knowledge so that you're like, oh, I am premenstrual right now. That's why I'm more fiery than usual. That's yeah. why I'm a little more sharp than usual. That's why I literally cannot stand the sound of my coworker chewing his freaking food. Like, you know what I mean? These things, yeah. your senses are also more sensitive when you're premenstrual. So instead of being like, there's something wrong with me, you can be like, I actually know what's going on right now. And I can forgive myself for the way that I behaved because I know that it's not just me being an insane woman or an insane like person. I, it's because of where I am in my cycle. Mm. And it's also, it's like, I think premenstrually, it's like having a shorter fuse that we can really beat ourselves up for that. Like this thing was not bothering me. Why is it bothering me now? I mean, low key, usually that thing was bothering you before you were just ignoring it. And then yeah, <laughs> one of the like beautiful things about being premenstrual is that you can't ignore the things that bother you anymore. And so I would also change the, the wording around that where it's like, well, it was bothering you, but, but so that's the first step is just like having the knowledge and like the self-knowledge and being gentle with yourself. And then for me, like the second step would be, so I'll take the example of like, like the sound of people chewing for some reason, when, literally when I'm premenstrual, no other time, premenstrual week, can't do it. Cannot, bananas, I like will rip my skin off. Like I cannot handle it. And so, you know, first it's the acknowledgement and then you start to adjust your life. So it's like, okay, I know that that really bothers me. So during that week, I'm gonna eat lunch by myself. I'm not going to eat lunch with my coworker. And that's like a very small example. The other thing, but, but it like those shifts, no matter how small make such a difference. They really, really, really do. And so, yeah, it's like knowledge and information. And then you can start like adjusting 
your, your days to be more in alignment with your cycle. And that's why I say like, you don't need to quit your job. It's really about like, which, like what feels good at what times in your cycle and then scheduling your time in a way that aligns with that. And so the framework is like, generally your follicular week, which is the week right after your period, that's like a time of planning. Um, they're like the strength. And again, this is just like the framework. You might be different. Someone listening to this, you, you, you listening to this flow, you might be different. So like, don't take this as like hard truth because part of cyclical, like living and living in, in like alignment with more feminine energy is like, there's, we're not rigid here. <laughs> we're flowing. Yeah. yeah. And so planning during your follicular phase during ovulation is generally, um, a time where you like are doing things that are outwardly focused. So yeah, if you're doing a project follicular would be planning outwardly focused, um, ovulation would be outwardly focusing where you're maybe like announcing whatever thing or sharing whatever thing, whatever project you're working on. Um, it's a time where you want to be doing like pitches and proposals and like meetings where you're launches exactly launches um the other thing taking notes (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that so the other thing is that um right we're part of nature we're we're animals and so when you are ovulating biologically what's happening is you're fertile this is you're you're fertile for like six ish days out of your cycle you're not fertile all month you're only fertile fertile you're only fertile (laughs) for a window of time And so when that happens, your pheromones change and you actually become like, because what biologically as an animal is happening is you're, you're like attracting your partner because it's the time when you can get pregnant. And so because of that, you are more magnetic during that time. So that's why you want to be like outwardly, like you want to be out in public because yeah, you're more magnetic and pro tip. It's a great time to ask for a raise (laughs) for that same reason. Yeah. For your prices and stuff. Cool. Cool. I like it. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, it's a great time or to be, yeah, changing your prices, asking for a raise if you work in a traditional job because you're more like magnetic at that time, the luteal phase or week of your cycle, which is the premenstrual week ish, like the earlier days of your premenstrual week, are a little bit more higher energy, like outwardly focusing. So it's not immediately that you t- like kind of turn in, but Don't then fade the into it. Mm-hmm. You're fading into a time because menstruation is like very internally focused. Ovulation is outwardly focused. Menstruation is inward and inward time. And so, so this makes so much sense with the moons as you talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why I love using the lunar phase as like for a, my astro nerds who are following yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, your premenstrual week is a time when you want to be like working on focused tasks because actually, and you know, this will again, change depending on your cycle. And also it depends on like the health of your cycle as well. So if you're having, if you have like really rough premenstrual symptoms, this might, you might be like, what? <laughs> no. Um, but like with a healthy cycle and also just generally speaking again, in this framework is that there's this like focus that happens, um, during your premenstrual phase, because that is when your progesterone is at its highest in your cycle. And progesterone is actually like a calming. It's your like, um, keep calm and carry on kind of hormone. And so that hormone can, it just, there's something about that, that time in your cycle that it can really help you like 
hone in on details. And like, I, you know, I think of like, if you're, yeah, say, so talking about like creating a project, this would be the time where you're doing like the, the work, you know? So it's like, you're planning it during your follicular phase. And I guess we can use like a course launch. This is something that I yeah. like, you're planning the course. Me during- too. So it's Right. So it's relevant. We're very aligned. We're both about to launch courses. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. So you're planning during your follicular phase, the week after your period and ovulation, you'd be like sharing about the course and then, um, yeah, like launching, launching, I mean, launching the course, but also like, usually when you're creating something, you're going through multiple menstrual cycles. Like you're not, it's not like, oh, you're spending one month or one menstrual cycle creating a course. Yeah you know, you're going to go through different cycles of this, but maybe it's like, okay, during ovulation, I'm going to like tease, give a teaser, or I'm going to hold a webinar, or I'm going to like share that I'm creating a course in, in the first place. And then during, during your luteal phase or premenstrual week is when you're like writing the copy and when you're creating the sales page and when you're like doing those things that are, require you to like sit down and focus and like work for extended periods of time. And then your menstrual phase, the very, the number one, <laughs> most important thing about that is when you rest. And I would say this is like your late luteal, like late premenstrual and then early menstrual is like rest, which is part of every creative process that, and it's a part that like we is not respected enough in our culture, but it's especially for us cyclical folks, like think about a tree, like a, a, an apple tree, which is the example that I use in my cycle tracker, which is my free resource that I share. Like every single cycle, year, yearly cycle for an apple tree, the apple tree goes dormant in the winter. And that dormancy is essential for its production the following spring. And it, we're the same. So like the rest that we allow ourselves in our late premenstrual and early menstrual phase really indicates and dictates like how we're going to feel moving forward, especially if we have like, uh, I don't know, 20 years compounded of like never resting during our menstrual cycle or like a lifetime of never properly resting. And I mean like doing nothing, like sitting in silence with the lights off or like walking, going on a walk without your phone, like things that are, you have no like external input and making a priority to do those daily. And I'm not saying all day, you don't have to like sit and stare at a wall for 48 hours. Yeah. But work them into your routine during this part of your cycle. Honestly, like I believe in our culture that if, if folks were to take literally 15 minutes to like lay on their bed or, or anywhere, sit at their desk in the middle of the day and just shut off, like close their eyes or lay on your bed. If you work from home and like do nothing, it would literally be revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And so the menstrual phase, I love that. Yeah. Um, yes. Rest. Hello. We love rest. And so rest, I would say is like the predominant theme of menstruation, but the other theme is reflection. And so during your menstrual cycle, the lining between the right and left hemisphere of your brain changes. And so it's called the corpus callosum. Yeah. These fibers change. I know it's crazy. And so your the left and right hemispheres of your brain, it becomes more active and the left and right hemispheres of your brain have can communicate with each other. And so that's why it's a beautiful time for a reflection because you literally like have brain function at this time that you don't have at other times in your cycle. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, it's like, the, uh, the archetype associated with the menstrual phase 
of your cycle is the wise woman or the sage, which makes sense because yeah, you literally like have access to parts of yourself that you don't at other times. And it also like spiritually, the process of menstruation, like it can, it's this portal between your ancestors and your future, like your children, whether or not you choose to have children, but it's this portal between all of the women and menstruators that came before you. And then those that are yet to come. And so it's a sacred time. It just is. And, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful time for reflection and connection. This is where I see so many parallels between the work you're doing and the work I'm doing of just like really helping people to like, listen to what's like reasonable for them to achieve with where their energy's at, where their hormones are at. Like I see so many people trying to push through and push through and force themselves to work at a time when like, there's no, like there's no energy and inspiration there Yeah, and then not working or not going and creating on a day that they, they do have that there, but it's like, it's a Sunday. So it's like, it's not a work day. Right. Like we've got these like capitalistic ways of looking at it. And it's like, but the more that you can learn to work with your body and with your energy and not work like butt up against it and hit this resistance, the more you actually get done absolutely a thousand percent true and it, yeah. I love, it is so related I I have said um and I definitely do this in my business where like if you have a men- if you are currently in your menstruating years it's almost better to do like I mean in the traditional work environment but but like for folks who like control their own schedule it's like two and a half weeks on like with like a transition period where you're doing a little less and then a week off. It's almost like Mm -hmm. three weeks on one week off. Like instead of Mm -hmm. this, this model of like five days on two days off, five days on two days off, it's like actually a rhythm that would make more sense for those of us in our menstruating years would be, would, would be like, yeah, more similar to like three weeks on one week off. Um, I think you're seeing because of like 2020 and everybody moving home and people working from home, you're seeing more people realize this. They're like, Oh, I just work for a little bit, then take to deal with my kids. And then I work again at night. Like they're working more with their energy than they ever have before. Even if they work for a a different company, you know, not just business owners, because obviously we have more flexibility than the others, but yeah, it's been really cool to see that. I think that COVID has kind of shifted that in a big way and started to show people like, Oh, why don't I just work when it makes sense. Like I can now work when it makes sense instead yeah. of sticking to this rigid schedule. A hundred percent. I think it's been a blessing of the last year that, and I, I do think also like just the fact that more, I think even moving forward, like more companies are offering work from home is yeah. because then you're, yeah, you, you can work with your own schedule and productivity has increased. Like, I think that's exactly. what companies are realizing when they finally stopped with this like rigid schedules and just let people like get your fucking work done. Yeah. And then at the end of the week, people are doing it and they're having a better work-life balance. And they're like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been, I think COVID has really kind of launched a lot of people into this, which is great because yeah. it's something that I'm always preaching. And this is where I see a lot of parallels between our work of like, it's the same. Th- I'm excited to kind of start working with this myself and yeah. incorporating it in. Yeah. And it's also like, since you and I are both projectors in human design, it's also related to hashtag projector life of like rest, just incorporating rest into your life. And the thing is, I think people like often get intimidated by that. It's like, what, like, what is that? And especially because like, (laughs) we're never, we're literally not taught how to rest at all. 
at all. Yeah. But it literally, like, honestly, prioritizing rest can mean like taking an extra bathroom break or like, you know what I mean? Like, or like taking an extra long bathroom break or like, um, prioritizing getting eight hours of sleep or, you know, it's, and like, it's not necessarily that you have to like go on vacation once a month, you know, it's like, it's also, it's about asking for help. And so like, if you're, say you're a stay, you're a, um, like a single mother who has children and you work a full-time job, it's not like, you know, I, I, it's like, how, how, like, how am I going to fit this into my life? And it's like asking, maybe it's getting takeout one extra night a week or maybe like during your period, or it's like meal prepping for the week of your period so that you don't have to cook at all. And you can just pull things out of the freezer. Or if your children are old enough or, or if you do have a partner or even asking for family, like asking for additional help with meals or, or even like asking grandparents to take your, take the kids for, for the night or whatever, you know, Mm. it's not about like, you don't have to make huge changes in order to live more cyclically. And it's not just about rest. It's also about the other times in your cycle. Like, and it's more about like actually connecting with yourself. And I like how you said that, like, this isn't a hard and fast rule. And same thing. Like when I work with people, I'm not going to give you like a hard and fast rule. It's more like, okay, how do I feel today? And is it reasonable for me to check off these things on my list or, is it not? And what is reasonable for me to do? Okay. I'm not in the mood to get dressed and film a bunch of videos or reels, but I, I do have the energy to sit, watch Netflix and redo my website. You know, it's like, where are, where are you at? And like, let's honor that instead of like, I think a lot of people feel guilty. They're like, well, I said, I was going to do those videos. I better do them. Like, Oh, oh, like all that. Yeah. And one thing I'm, I'm curious for, cause I feel like listeners will also have this question is like, you kind of talked about these different phases and like, right. Yeah. Planning and how would this affect someone on the birth control pill? Like, are, yeah. because I'm not ovulating and I'm not menstruating, am I going to have a similar f- flow? Yeah. I want to use. I love this question. So, I mean, no, I, this, yeah. okay. No. And if you have a uterus and you are like in your menstruating years, though you are on the pill. So you're not currently, you don't currently have a menstrual cycle. Same with like the IUDs other than the copper IUD or like the implants or the NuvaRing. Like you don't have on hormonal birth control. You don't, you don't have a hormonal cycle. And so biologically, no, like it's not going to be, you're not going to have the same rhythms. My, I mean, what I've witnessed and also just what resonates with me is that you're a cyclical being. And so that those rhythms are still going to exist within you. Um, does that make sense? Like, yeah. So it's, I, I think that it, it won't be as clear because you, your hormonal system is currently shut down. Um, but like I said, you can borrow the lunar cycle. So technically, no, you don't. Um, and if you're interested in connecting with your cycle, I would recommend like starting to make a plan to transition off birth control. Yeah. Because- I'll be curious to see if I can leave, like, I'm, you know, I'm so excited to get off the pill. I keep saying that. I'm like, Oh, I just, I just, they're telling me I have to slowly transition, but I'm like ready to just ditch it. And I'm curious to see if I'll start to notice this stuff. Cause I don't right now, but I've, I haven't really, I just started tracking it and yeah, yeah I, I was curious how being on the pill would affect it. And if yeah. I'll notice the difference once I'm off. So because it's actually the same thing goes for peri or for postmenopausal folks, your biology postmenopause functions like a male hormonal cycle. 
Um, It's not like testosterone, but it is the same. It's like pretty much the same every day. And if you're on the pill, the same thing. Um, The pill to me, it's a little different because I feel like when you fight against your biology, your body is always kind of trying to correct. Um, My experience of like, there's a lot of medications that work this way and why you have to like constant, like oftentimes like up your doses of things is because when you like tamper a biological rhythm, our bodies want to be this is not like a a scientific statement, (laughs) like, you know, don't, don't come at me, but like our bodies like want to do what they're biologically meant to do when you're on the pill. Um, whereas postmenopausal, like our, we like actually postmenopausal folks function really well in this male focused society, like in the daily, because biologically your body is actually like that your hormones are the same every day. And so postmenopausal folks, especially if you like, um, didn't, don't have like a hellish experience through menopause with like mood swings and hot flashes. And like, basically it can feel like a years long premenstrual phase. Um, but if that's not the case, then I, a lot of postmenopausal folks are like, I feel great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and function really well in, in that, um, environment. But yeah, you, you will not, you will not feel this rhythm if you're on the pill, if you're on hormonal birth control. Yeah. I figured you were going to say that. I wanted to ask, cause I figured that was going to be your answer. And I, I'm sure people, you know, we probably have a whole bunch of different people listening, but, um, yeah, yeah. I was, that came up when you were talking about it. I was like, I, I wonder if this happens for me. Probably not. Cause I've been suppressing my hormones on the pill for years. Right. Um, do you have anything you're dying to talk about or should we jump into these questions that some of these questions I got from Instagram stories? Let's do the questions. So the questions. All right. So the first question I got was someone who just came off the pill, lost their period. Their period never really came back consistently. Um, she did go to the doctor, got tested low estrogen and wondering if there's any tips to like get her period back food, whatever. I did recommend beyond the pill to her already and um seed cycling but i'm just curious for your input on it yeah so definitely beyond the pill is an amazing resource for anyone who is either considering transitioning off birth control or has recently transitioned off birth control that book will or really really anyone with hormonal issues i feel like could benefit from this book yeah Yeah, absolutely regardless of pill usage yeah um there's some other books too that are not like this one is more specific about birth control but yeah but yeah absolutely and um I'll say three things like reducing stress is going to be super, super important during that time when your body is like reestablishing its hormonal rhythm. Because like I said, like the pill suppresses your hormonal rhythm. And so your body has to reestablish that link between your brain and your ovaries essentially. And that it takes time, especially if, if your body was very sensitive to birth control, because again, everyone's body is different. Some people are on birth control forever for 20 years. They go off it. They have no issues. They can get pregnant. Like move on with their lives, but that's not true for everyone. I would say more, more commonly, but yeah. So especially if you were on it for a long time or if your body like didn't like it, like I would say you're someone whose body doesn't like being on hormonal birth control. Um, and so reducing stress so that your body and like allowing your body to do its thing to reestablish that rhythm. The other thing that's really important. And this also applies to like not just being on the pill, but anyone who has light periods, missing periods, or like low estrogen in general, make sure that you're eating enough. And it might be that you have to like bulk up 
your your food intake um in order to support your body like (laughs) um you might yeah and not eating enough can be um can cause your period to go missing yeah I've heard that focusing on whole foods I don't mean the rest I mean the grocery chain I mean like focusing on foods in their original form so steering clear of processed ingredients steering clear of anything that was made in a factory um yeah other than like like organic grass-fed meat that was you know processed in a meat industry like in a in a you know in a factory that's different but yeah as close as to real foods as possible yeah anything that's packaged has more than like five ingredients or anything that is like you don't know you can't pronounce it and you don't know what it is steer clear of it um supporting your body with like lots of fruits and vegetables grass-fed meat um and healthy fats which are like examples of healthy fats are like olive oil avocado is a great one like half an avocado a day I know so good like at least at least so a whole I like live off of guac <laughs> guac keeps me going I know so good um yes yeah, so salmon, our- wild salmon I keep reading yep. it's a good one salmon um nuts and seeds especially like walnuts cashews um almonds and grass-fed animal products if you eat animal products um are all fats so okay the low-fat diet is like the worst thing that ever happened to (laughs) to women and folks with the menstrual cycle because your hormones are made from cholesterol which is literally fat like one of the one and it's not the only thing but one of the building blocks of hormones is cholesterol which is fat and so the low-fat like atkins diet is like literal horror show for your hormones it it like it's terrible you Mm. need fat in order to have a healthy hormonal cycle so adding in those healthy fats and making sure that you're like really focusing on a whole foods diet is what what i would recommend for that um i will also say this is controversial my friends but i'm going to say it i was vegan for 10 years and i had like all of those symptoms that i was talking about my experience one of the things that made a huge difference for me was adding animal products back into my diet and being very, um, being very intentional about where they were coming from and the, the, um, ethical and also environmental impact. So like focusing on, on grass fed, like meat from regenerative farms. I live in Vermont, so that's really easy for me at this point. It's not as accessible for folks. Um, I would say if you don't have access to it, like steering clear of like conventionally raised meat, again, conventionally raised meat is raised with hormones. They pump the animals full of hormones and antibiotics so that they grow faster and so that they don't get sick because of the environment in which they're raised in because they're all in very close quarters. We ingest those when we eat them. We ingest those hormones, which fuck with our hormonal system um, and confuse our bodies. And we ingest the antibiotics. And so, yeah, focusing on like grass-fed organic meat from small family farms is also something that is really something I, I think that's I, something I'm personally going to work on this summer is, um, I still, I buy like the organic, you know, the ones at the grocery store that are better than the other meat, but, um, better for sure. Better. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, you know, I know it's still not great. And we have a couple of small meat markets here in our local farmer's market. Once it, it starts next week, um, they have a few local farms who go, and yeah. I want to get on that train this year is like, that's a dedication of yeah. mine is like to start to I love that my animal products over. 
I love it. I'm also low estrogen, I'm pretty sure. And so something I want to say to you, reading Beyond the Pill, it seems like high estrogen is, I hate to say this, but like more common. So like a lot of what I've been reading is like for people with high estrogen. Yeah. Um, And I can see that because I can, as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my God, I know a lot of people who struggle with these things. Yeah. But for me, I'm kind of the opposite. What would, like, do you have any take on that? High estrogen is what I struggled with. Um, High estrogen. So low estrogen, like one of the telltale signs is like, you have like a very like a light or missing period. Mm. High estrogen is more like those premenstrual symptoms. Also, if you experience premenstrual symptoms in the midpoint of your cycle around ovulation, that can also be an indicator of high estrogen, um, of excess estrogen. And it's the, I guess the term that's mostly used is like estrogen dominance. Um, because it's really, it's not even just about having like too much estrogen in your body. It's actually about the level of estrogen in relation to progesterone. So like I said earlier, progesterone is the hormone that like, is, it's actually very calming and it's peaks in our premenstrual phase of our cycle. So when your body is functioning properly, like you should be feeling like calm during your premenstrual phase of your cycle. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Estrogen on the other hand is peaks during ovulation. And it's actually like, it's an energetic hormone. Like it makes us feel energetic and like talkative and social and, um, but when it's too much, that's when we get into the, like the overstimulated, like anxiety, overstimulated feeling. So when it comes to excess estrogen, (laughs) it tends to mean that our detox pathways are not functioning properly or that they're overburdened. And so that comes actually comes back to the conventionally raised meat. There's something, um, called it a xenoestrogen and a xenoestrogen is, they're also referred to as um, endocrine disruptors. Oh, and yeah, essentially it's either like, it's, it's chemicals in our environment that mimic estrogen. Like they're very similar to estrogen. So it confuses our body in, and it, our bodies treat it like estrogen. Mm. These are the hormones that are pumped into conventionally raised meat. The other place these show up are in, in plastics. Yeah. And yep. products, right? Like beauty products. Beauty products is the other, which like. That I'm really finicky about beauty products. I use like very natural, 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 but like I, I, that's one of the things I, I've read a lot about the endocrine disruptors and, um, yeah. And Chelsea who came on my podcast a few weeks ago talked about that. Amazing. Yeah. Actually, I'm like interested in creating a course about detoxing or cause the, and it's in cleaning xenoestrogens are also show up in cleaning products. So these things that we're like lathering all over our bodies that we're like cleaning every surface of our home and that we're eating. Are yeah, co- and this is why excess estrogen is so common, like you said. Yeah, because it's they're everywhere in our environment, and so our systems get overburdened. And what happens is when the systems get overburdened, then our detox pathways don't function properly. So then they get even more overburdened, and it's just like mm-hmm. a vicious cycle. And so when it comes to estrogen, excess estrogen, and this is why, like we were talking before we were, when, before we were recording, I was saying like working with me one-on-one is like a pretty intense experience because I'm like, these are all the beauty products that, that are going to, that are yeah. potentially making you sick. This is all the food that's potentially making you sick. Like this is all the cleaning products that you're going to like have that I'm going to recommend that you replace. And it's a lot, like it is, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I've been doing it slowly over the years, just yeah. for other things. And yeah. yeah, I can't imagine just like trying to take that all on in three months. <laughs> oh no. And I would never like require that, but I think it's overwhelming to learn. And I, I always like recommend using up whatever, whatever you have 
um, unless you're like having having issues horrendous, with it. horrendous yeah. periods, it's like you have to decide where what's more important to you, like fixing, yeah, like being wasteful or right. So I oh, I usually recommend like using up whatever you have and then transitioning, unless it's like you're ready to just like it's like you with birth control, you know, it's like yeah, I'm well, you gotta ready. balance the like what's best for me, what's best for my wallet, what's best for, cause if you like ditch everything and have to replace, it can be expensive as well. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so all of the, like all of these things in our environment are putting strain on our bodies. And so, and then the other thing is too, when you add in things like caffeine and alcohol and stress, which all like impacts the health of our liver, cause all of those things are processed through our liver. Then it's like, okay, now your liver is your main detox organ, right? I mean, it's one of your detox organs. So then it's like, I mean, it's kind of sounds like a little apocalyptic when you talk about it, but it's like, we have all of these things in our environment that are impacting our hormones. And then excess estrogen can make you feel really stressed and anxious. So it's like xenoestrogens in your, in your environment can make you feel stressed and anxious. So then you drink alcohol to relax, which then actually makes the problem worse. And so it's yeah. like this vicious cycle that we're all in a lot that of factors most of us like know nothing about. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a big point here too, is like so much lack of education on yeah. how this all works. <laughs> yeah. But so, okay. So excess estrogen, it's like, cause I, I was like, Oh, overhaul your whole life. And then your symptoms will go away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is one way to do it, but also like prioritizing sleep because that is when a lot of our detox happens, like eight to nine hours of sleep a night, prioritizing that drinking enough water. Yeah. Like doing those two things. Like and it's like 64 ounces of water a day because your estrogen is, is, um, actually I'm going to say three things, <laughs> sleep, drinking enough water. And then the third one is like making sure you're pooping at least twice. A, I mean, at least once a day. Yeah. Because estrogen, the excess, not, not just like excess estrogen when you have excess estrogen, but the estrogen that your body is no longer in need of detoxes through your digestive system. And mm. when you're not moving your bowels, it, it actually circulates back into your body, causing all of these symptoms. So, um, prioritizing pooping <laughs> every day. Yeah. yeah. I know. And what I thought was interesting was when I first posted a bunch of questions about like, I'm thinking about coming off the pill, what, you know, just to my audience, like, what do you, what do you guys have to say about it? I had a few people reach out with very high estrogen recommendations yeah. and I actually have the opposite problem. I think, I think I'm low. So I was yeah. kind of like used a grain of salt, but, um, because it's more common, you know, sometimes that's like the recommendations people find and just follow. Yeah. And well, I would say so I think it's important to know for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're on the pill, you're not going to have excess estrogen. No. <laughs> I mean, you might, you might, because of all of the xenoestrogens, estrogens in our environment, but uh, again, you're, you're not, your body is not producing any hormones. You're taking synthetic hormones. So you're not, it's kind of, I mean, maybe it's possible, but it, in, like instinctively, Unlikely. I'm like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Yeah. That was really well, helpful. That's the other thing for low estrogen is, um, make sure you're not over exercising. That's also important. Over exercising and under eating. Yeah. Exactly. Which like, especially like the way if you're like a feminine, a normal person who's normal. been subjected to diet culture. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> not my problem. I have to say, I'm like, uh, definitely not over-exercising or under-eating, but yeah. I, I think it is a huge problem for most people. I mean, everybody really it's, it's, yeah. 
And it isn't just like extreme cases. That's what I'm hearing from you in your words. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It isn't just people with eating disorders that this is going to affect their period. This no. is anybody who's over exercising or under eating. Yeah. And I, and I, a lot more people are under eating than realize they're under eating. And especially under eating nutrients. Cause it's not just about the amount that you're eating. It's what you're eating. Because if you're eating a lot of like fast food or like microwavable things or packaged foods, the nutrient value in those is slim. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not, you want to be eating, like eating from nature, like eating things in their original form, like eat whole plant foods, eat a lot of vegetables. You don't even need to eat that much animal, like, cause especially cause like the good meat, like the farm raised meat or farm raised is also a phrase that has been twisted to like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't actually mean anything, but grass fed is the one you want to, and regeneratively raised if you can find that, but grass fed meat, like eating a couple servings a week is enough, you know, but focusing on whole foods, like you don't even need to think when, when you're eating like in alignment with like nature and when you're eating whole foods and not like things that come out of a package with ingredients that like, you don't know what they are, you're, you're gonna be nourishing yourself. And like, I, I have seen in my work that like, first of all, (laughs) diet, none of the fad diets are um, studied on anyone with a menstrual cycle. So there's literally no information out there. And you'll like other folks talk about this online. There is no information about how, how these like intermittent fasting and these kinds of things impact folks with a menstrual cycle, which is why like, there's all those funny memes that are like, my husband went on this diet and lost all this weight. And I'm still like, haven't lost, I, I like haven't lost a pound because they weren't made meant for you. They weren't made for you. And so, and the diet industry preys on women, I think, and, and wants us to be confused about what, should, what we should be eating and, and what, yeah. how we We're should the ones be who buy it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. eat whole foods, eat enough of them. So eat until you're full, eat a lot of vegetables, eat a lot of fruit, move your body, grains, move your body in a way that feels good. And that's like, it's really as simple as that. Like it truly is like walking is an amazing form of exercise. And what's funny for me is like the more that I've tuned into my body and just done naturally what I feel like eating and what I feel like exercising. I mean, I don't exercise a lot projector. It's never done well with me, but like the more that like, I don't, A, don't struggle with as much physical symptoms, but also like don't struggle with weight. Like I actually, as I get older, my metabolism gets better and I get, people don't love hearing that, but like, I don't have to really worry about it at all. And I don't diet. Just like the more that I just lean into like eating whole foods and moving in a way that feels good, the more that it all flows. (laughs) I don't have to worry about it. And I occasionally have treats and the world goes on. Yeah. Um, Where like, as when I was younger, I struggled with my weight and then I would have these, you know, I would do all the binge dieting and the crashing and this and that. And yeah, like something that, that I think your, your situation shows too, is that a lot of times it's actually like an underlying issue that is the it's, it's and and oftentimes like intermittent fasting or something like that is going to, is going to make, it's not about like just the weight there's like an, or even if it's just like you're on birth control and it's your body's not loving it no matter what diet you go on, if you don't change the fact that you're on birth control and your body's not reacting well to it, nothing's going to change, you know, yeah. or even like if you're, if your issue is blood sugar, or if your issue is like, 
inflammation. Like some of these diets are not necessarily going to fix that. It might actually make it worse. It's funny because after years of chasing and all these different recommendations to all these different people, I am kind of like, oh my God, this pill like, I can't wait to get off of it because I do feel like once I'm off of it, then I at least know what the problem, I'll know what the problem is yeah. um, and be able to like assess it. I feel like I've just been masking it. And no one has said to me in all these years of like, oh, did you know your pill could mess with all that? Yeah. No, because they don't know. <laughs> they have no idea. All right. Let's move on to the next question here. I have no idea how long this is since we stopped a bunch of times. So I know. <laughs> might be like a two hour long podcast. And I apologize to everybody listening. <laughs> you love us though. We have a good energy and I'm sure you're I love it. <laughs> I'll listen so, to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely going to listen to it. The other question that I got from someone on Instagram was about the flow gummies, which I know I've gotten targeted ads for. Um, she wants to know are they, yeah, I know I've definitely gotten ads for, um, she wants to know are they're good and will they help with cramps? Okay. This is how I feel about the flow gummies. The ingredients, like the herbal healing ingredients in them are great. The main ingredients are Vitex, lemon balm, and um, dong ki, which is a, it sounds like donkey, but it's dong ki, and it's a Chinese medicinal herb. It's used in traditional Chinese medicine. Those, and I think it also has vitamin B6. Those four ingredients are great. I have recommended all of those things to people that I have worked with. I've taken all of those things myself where I get, and this won't surprise you considering uh, everything I just said about food. Um, I think it's like where the supplement, the form of B6 I use is, is maltodextrin. Maltodextrin is a sneaky ingredient that is in every, I'm, I would put money on the fact that it's in Doritos, actually. It's in like- I'm sure it's in Doritos. It's on every label I've ever looked at in my whole life. Right, and what maltodextrin is, is a highly processed food that is most often derived from corn or wheat. And corn and wheat are two of the most genetically modified crops in our country, in the world, and in the places that allow them. And- um, they also are because of being the most genetically modified crops. They are also crops that are most often sprayed with pesticides. Pesticides are a xenoestrogen. And when you ingest maltodextrin and ingredients similar to it, that's made from corn, you can look it up. There are so many ingredients that are like maltodextrin doesn't sound like corn. I mean, it's malt. Like it's, so it's, I think it's sweet actually. I think it's something that, um, I'm not hundred percent sure though. So don't quote me on that. I don't actually know like what, like what it, what it adds to, to these processed foods, but when you ingest it when you ingest like corn syrup and, um, other ingredients that are hidden and you can look up like pseudonyms for processed corn ingredients, there's so many yeah. and they are generally, all of them are from like genetically modified conventionally raised corn that has been yeah. completely like sprayed with pesticides the genetically modified corn also has insecticide like in the I don't know how it works but like as it grows it releases insecticide to keep the pests away so when you eat those it's like it's not something that you can remove from the crop when you ingest those corn products you're ingesting pesticides you're ingesting those chemicals so that's something that I avoid I don't eat things that have that ingredient it's a it's a highly processed ingredient um the other thing that is a red flag for me about flow gummies is that the second of the inactive ingredients is cane sugar. It's raw cane sugar. Yeah. Cause they're gummy. Cause they're a gummy. And like, like 
I recommend most of my one-on-one clients to like stay away from sugar. So it would be extremely counterproductive for me then to recommend a supplement where the second ingredient is sugar. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. So it's like, it could be a good, like medium stepping point for someone who hasn't taken all of the launching into yeah. cutting out sugar and all the things, but you don't typically like you, I think have. that for folks who need the convenience factor. So, and like, what I'll say is like lemon balm, um, donkey and vitex, which is also called chase tree berry extract. I've seen that recommended heavily. And I've seen that at the whole, uh, the food yes, store. Here all of those ingredients, the donkey you might have to get online, but even that is available pretty readily at like natural food stores. I would just recommend that you get those and you take the recommended dose on the bottle. Um, to me, that's better than again. Like I also don't find that to be much less convenient than eating, eating a gummy. I mean, I, I get the gummy thing. (laughs) I look, I get it. Like I took Flintstones vitamins as a kid. I get it. I just think there are better ways. And like, I don't, I would not recommend the ingredients that are in to consume things with the ingredients. The, again, the, the like inactive ingredients that are in flow gummies, but yeah, if like the, if the joy factor, if the joy factor is like really important to you, meaning like most herbs and like a lot of supplements don't taste good. And so if you're someone like Vitex doesn't taste that good, it's usually in a tincture form, which is like, you know, made with alcohol. So it's bitter. If you, if that's a really big barrier for you, then, then I'm like, go for it, you know? Mm. Um, but if you're down to like, take the tincture, the Vitex tincture, you know, wash it down with some water, take the donkey and like lemon balm, you could literally just like buy the dried herb and yeah, like make tea. tea out of it's it. It's in yeah. most teas. Um, most of my teas have it in it, honestly. Yeah, exactly. They're all like, all those ingredients are awesome. But again, like, I think you need to weigh what's important to you. And for me, like I wouldn't, I would never take a supplement with maltodextrin in it. Sugar, you know, I think, and like raw cane sugar, I think is like, they, they, it seems like they really did try to like choose a better option. I don't, I guess I didn't, I haven't dug that deep into it. I don't know if maltodextrin, if they have like, but it it doesn't say it's organic. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it's probably not. Yeah. I think especially because some of the other ingredients on the label do say that they're organic. So that might be what makes it gummy. It might be part of what. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not going to promise that. Sorry. That was not a fact. Don't, don't write that down as fact guys. (laughs) (laughs) Just thinking it's like, I've seen maltodextrin in a bunch of things and I'm like, it's in a lot of supplements. I do think it's used for B6. I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah. Don't quote, don't at me, but um, yeah, (laughs) but yeah, personally, I would never also, yeah, I would never take a supplement that had sugar in it. That seems counterproductive to me, but yeah. I like, I have a client, I had a client who was like, really wanted to try it. And I was like, try it and see if it makes it, if it makes a difference for you, you know? And I think that's what it comes down to it. Like if, if you feel drawn to it and these like red flags that I'm saying don't deter you or you're like, whatevs. I trust yeah. Like doctor. if you're already eating a lot of sugar, I could see being like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're like, like I have had sugar out of my diet for a little while and you said, you said you've had it out for a while, but if yeah. you didn't, I could see being like, right. yeah, you're like, shut up. A <laughs> little sugar bit of sugar. Please. Sugar <laughs> please over here. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think that like, if you feel drawn to it, then give it a shot and just pay attention to your cycles. And if it works for you, then fuck yeah, I'm happy for you. <laughs> like, you know, I'm yeah. ne- I would never shame you or even like, 
me giving you the information or saying, this is how I feel about it is not me telling you how you should feel about it. I want you yeah. to, be able to make your own decision about it. And if, if like my words don't resonate with you and you're like, if, if it makes you roll your eyes and you're like, I'm going to try it anyway, I want you to try it anyway. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, do you. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back to what we talked about originally of like being connected with your own body and knowing what is going to work for you. Like not everybody's the same. And that's a big piece of all of this is like knowing what works for you. Exactly. And like, I think similar to you, my body is super, super sensitive. Like I don't drink cat. I can't caffeine makes me feel like shit. I sugar makes me feel like shit. Highly processed foods. Like I've gone through periods even recently where I was eating a lot of junk food and it makes me feel horrible. And I don't drink alcohol at all. I wish I could eat whatever I wanted. I wish I could like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, not always. Like I, I I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Like there's times I'll say there's times I don't, I don't always feel that way, but there's definitely times where I'm like, I wish that like eating a slice of cheesecake didn't make me want to sleep immediately. Every single time I did it. I wish that eating pancakes in the morning didn't make me feel like shit for literally the entire rest of the day, but Mm. it does. So I got to do what I got to do to take care of my body. And I want you to do what you've got to do to take care of yours. Totally. Totally. That's something I've had to learn for myself over the years too, is just like, and everybody wants to give you advice, which, which direction. And it's like, just really learning what works for you. Yeah. Um, like I actually am super sensitive to fruit. So I've recently cutting back on fruit because it just doesn't, it really messes up my blood sugar. And I'm like, yeah. it's not worth it. That apple's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eat something else instead. So Um, yeah, it's just funny. Kind of everybody, everybody's different. We're all unique snowflakes guys. And you got to take care of yourself, but this is really good information. I feel like this is going to be so helpful for everybody listening. Um, I know it's helpful for me and I'm excited that I was able to bring you on because yeah, my audience was super interested in this topic. I was like, all right, well, we need to talk about this more then. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I'm so happy to be here. I could talk about this forever and ever and ever. (laughs) I know. Do you have any ending points you want to end on? Cause we should wrap it up. I have no idea how long we've been recording, but (laughs) been a while I think I think just connecting back to everything we've been talking about is like be gentle with yourself and get to know your true essence and in that it's like I think a lot of spiritual practices talk about like connecting with your intuition and connecting with your your true self and to me one really powerful way is to connect to your body and specifically to your menstrual cycle and listen to what your cycle is telling you like if you are having really symptomatic periods, your body's trying to communicate something to you. And we have been taught to ignore that, but don't, (laughs) I encourage you not to ignore it and to try and see what, what your body's trying to tell you. Usually you can figure it out pretty easily because you can look back and be like, have I been sleeping enough? Have I been eating enough? What are the things that I've been doing that I know are not good for my health, but I'm doing it anyway. That's like you're in, that's your inroad into connecting back to your body. So yeah, just getting to know your cycle is connecting to yourself. And I think it's like, for those of us who have a menstrual cycle, like how lucky are we to have that like message, that that messaging system from our bodies that is so loud and so clear in order to take better care of ourselves and to take better care of our bodies. It's a blessing. Yeah. And it's so cool. The more and more I learned about the cycle, um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get off this pill and like, see what my cycle is like. Like I'm, I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. It's cool that our bodies do this. And I'm, I'm definitely interested to see kind of like what it means for me, for my business and all in all areas of my life. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you all the deets? Yes. Where so they, the best where place they can find you, I, I hang out most on Instagram and my 
Instagram handle is I am Mariah Rose. And then I also have a website, I am MariahRose.com. I am currently beta launching, meaning like launching a course um, called Cyclical Rituals on self-care in the menstrual cycle. And that, uh, in the end of the summer in August, that will be available as a self-study. So if that interests you, and it's a lot of the stuff we covered today is relevant to what is covered in that course. Um, and I also do one-on-one coaching. So if you feel like you need like more intense one-on-one <laughs> deep dive support on your menstrual health, then that's a beautiful place for that to happen. You're the person to go to. Awesome. Yeah. I might be doing that one-on-one at some point after I come off this pill and see what happens. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I'm well, excited. thank you for, I'm excited for your journey. I know I'm excited too. And I did just start tracking using your little tracker. So I'm like, just excited to kind of see how the whole thing I'm like ready for it to just get there already. It's a slow process though. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I have a free resource uh, that you can access through my Instagram profile on how to track your menstrual cycle and how the menstrual cycle mirrors the seasonal cycle of the earth. Yeah. It's very cool. I've been using it. It's very, very helpful and helpful for me to kind of like ease this transition a little bit. Yeah. I love that. I'm so happy. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on today. This was so helpful. You answered all of my questions, probably everybody else's questions too. And yeah, just great to have you on. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we're, we're going to be in touch so we can always oh, connect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh we're yeah. Gonna be, <laughs> you're not getting rid of me. No, but this was great. It was awesome <laughs> to have you on. Um, and real, really, really glad that we were kind of like able to do this and this isn't something I normally talk about, but it's so in line with what I talk about that I'm just like, I'm excited. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everybody else for listening to another episode of ask Abby. We will see you next time.